And I just want to read you a couple of verses beyond that. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the blood of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. But if we judge ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. And I just, that's why we take a moment to examine our minds, and to make sure that this is not just some religious ceremony and loses its significance. We want to understand that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. Amen. And we want to remember the price he paid. Now today I live because he died. Amen. Amen. So uh, as you take your portion and take your communion stuff, you can be seated. I want you to rip off the top, the top plastic piece. I want you to take the wafer, take the bread. And as Paul wrote, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I want you to take the bread. Expose the juice. Paul wrote the words of Christ. He says, He took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. You may drink of the juice. Father, as we take communion this morning, help us to live lives. Help us to say words. Help us to think thoughts. Help us, oh God, to live a life as pleasing to you. Help us to remember that the life we live no longer belongs to ourselves, oh God. But as a result of Calvary and our confession of faith, we live for you today. So Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, enable us to live lives according to your word. And we will glorify you and honor you in all we do, say, and think. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Amen. Welcome to the Recovery House of Worship. We take communion here every first Sunday of the month. Every first Sunday we have communion here. Um, it's very important to me. It's very important part. We have two sacraments. Amen. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. Those are the two sacraments we have. We want to honor God in that. We want to welcome for the first time visitors to Recovery House of Worship. I'm uh, one of the associate pastors here. And Pastor Ezra, as he said, he will be, he's ready, let me tell you. Oh, he's, he's ready. He gets in his door, he says, look at what I'm going to preach. He says, check it out, check it out. And he, he, he's ready. He's ready to preach. He's on fire. He asked me, you don't look too good. You want me to preach for you today? You know? I said, I said I'm going to be okay. You, got, you get two next week, amen. Praise the Lord. So Pastor Rex, Pastor Edwin is ready to preach. Uh, I don't know. I'm excited to hear what God's been doing. He's been praying and getting to God's word. He just got back from Texas with a bunch of, you know, skyrocket type of preachers. And they were devouring Genesis. Amen. And uh, so he's ready. He's excited. I encourage you next week to come expecting. Come with a, with a, with a spirit of expectation that God is going to deposit something in your heart. That God's going to provoke you to grow. That something spectacular, something extraordinary is going to happen. Amen. And I want to come to you, don't be selfish. Amen. Don't keep it to yourself. Amen. You know, I don't know we're supposed to be a beggar telling another beggar where we found bread to eat. Right. Alright, so don't just come eat and say, oh, that was good. Oh, that was great. Did you get all those bumps and got a little bit you don't invite nobody for that experience. Amen. Don't be self-centered. Invite your friends and family. They will thank you. I am so indebted to the person who invited me to church. Amen. It changed my life. So uh, next week, 9 o'clock, 11.15, just so that you know, I, I know I've got very little time. We, we believe in God. We, we're in a, the church. You guys know Brooklyn is, is in a fork in the road. And this is, my, my old pastor, the worship of the Lord, he said, it's going to get gooder and, and gooder, gooder and gooder. Amen. Even though gooder is I not a word. I, I always wonder why he said All right, that. So I want to encourage you to keep coming word. back, to show up, to grow up, come early, stay late. I don't know about you, but double dipping sounds good. 
Amen. You know, I want more. So maybe you come to nonstop and eleven fifteen. I wonder what God would do in your life if that would be your position. Amen. All right. So I'm gonna get to my sermon. This is one of my favorite sermons. I'm excited. Uh, I can invite my wife up to come preach a sermon. Amen. She's heard it so many times. Praise the Lord. You know, she's excited about this sermon. Praise God. Uh, uh, but this one of my favorite. It's called. And the first time I put it together, I was looking at it. When we come out to worship, right? We don't drink wine, right? We don't consume alcohol in this place. So I said, wow, what a sermon, Richie. I know, the sermon title is, is Time for Some Wine. Right? So I think, oh, they go, oh, I Hallelujah! Yes! Oh, it's time to bring it out, Pastor. Come on. You know what I mean? All those people who don't have the first step in their lives. Yes! Glory! You know, so no, it, it, it's spiritual wine. Amen. It's spiritual wine. Um, Jesus turning water to wine is his first work that he did. First miracle he did, uh, he started up. Uh, that's when he first started uh, doing miracles. It's found in John chapter two. If you got your Bibles, uh, I want to thank Pastor Edwin and the eldership of this church for allowing me the privilege and the honor to preach God's word from this pulpit. It's important that if you get an opportunity to give a testimony, sing, or preach, or serve God in any capacity, that you've been privileged to. That it's an honor to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. So John chapter two. I think they're going to put it on the screen. Amen. Yeah, you can stand up, please, as you read God's word. Okay, I'm going to read it to you, amen? And you can read along silently, praise the Lord. When Pastor other preaches, you can read a verse, and he'll read a verse, and right, he's a special kind of guy. It says this, John chapter 2, verse 2. On the third day, a wedding took place, this is verse 1, I'm sorry. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana, in Galilee, Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews, for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 pounds. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you say the best for now. What Jesus and here what Jesus did here in Cana of God, it was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Amen. Amen. You may be seated, praise the Lord. There's a couple of things I want to say before I get into uh, It's interesting that Moses' first miracle was a plague. I don't know if you know what it was. It's, he turned water into blood in Exodus chapter 7. Which speaks of judgment. And the Lord's first miracle spoke of grace. Alright? So, the first, Moses' first miracle sign that he did, the first time, he, he, his sign was a sign of water to blood was a sign of judgment upon the people. And then just for the Old Testament is about the law. And the New Testament is about grace. Amen. And so this is just very, it's very interesting. It's interesting how his first miracle was one of grace. Alright? And so there's a couple of things. It says the miracle was a sign, right? The miracle was a sign. And I don't know if you know this, but I'm sure you do. When you're traveling someplace that visit people, you pay attention to the signs that are on the on the highway. It says, you know, exit 21, two miles away. You, you pay. You don't want to get lost, right? The sign is something that speaks about something beyond itself. The sign is not really significant in itself. It's pointing something beyond itself. And, and so it's a sign here. And the sign was a demonstration of power. It, the sign was that here's the problem a lot of people. So many times people get caught up with just a miracle 
And the devil loves to play people like that. Let's say you you can't stop using drugs. This is one of our, you know, a lot of people from that we deal with can't stop using drugs and they can't stop drinking or they have some form of addiction. Addiction has many faces. And they come to us and specialize in that in the church, right? A lot of other churches call pastors. I didn't call, you know, Gus, that's how we wrong Pedro. They said, listen, my son's up there. Should he heroin? Can you take him with you? Uh, so, anyway, we know how to handle this stuff. Biblically, we understand that's a flat So. We, we have a, 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 a Bible-based theology, how to recover from a Christ-centered perspective, not just get actions, but experience deliverance. Yes. All right? Deliverance is very possible. So anyway, so the sign, the miracle, so many times the, the devil convinces people, when you're clean now, or your marriage is better now, or your son is better now, or you're physically better now. Like, God addressed the, the, the thing he used to get you here. Most people don't want to smoke people. Some people just, you know, God is you're blessed. You just get <laughs> up and you by accident. The power falls upon you and you start living the life. Amen. Most people have some type of issue, problem, circumstance, situation, and they don't try God first. They try everything else first. And when all else fails, the last part of the deck is usually God. More, more specifically, Jesus Christ. And it's the last card they play and the first thing that works. Right. Amen. And so usually it's a problem with the circumstances that bring people seeking after God, thank God for pain and desperation because it's a motivator. Right. So now we find God, we find the Lord, we get, we get saved, He heals that end of our life that brought us to Him initially, right. and the devil says, that's it, you're good. Right. Just be, you know, be happy, joyous, and free, and just chill right there. And the devil will try to convince you to get caught up with the healing, with the miracle, with the blessing, and don't get lost. And the one who gave me the miracle, the healing of the black. Forget about the relationship. So there's a sign, and then you know what the last verse says, and the disciples put, they more, put more faith in Jesus Christ. He demonstrated his glory and they had his faith in him. So, so here's the thing. We need more signs in recovery as worship. We need more men and more women that their lives point to something beyond themselves. Come on, somebody. We need more men and women that the way you live and the way you talk and how you handle circumstances and when the storms come, when the storms are going to come, that the way you respond, not the way you react, the way you respond, we will demonstrate that there's something, there's some miracle working power, that there's some God that you're serving, that something is capable, there's a power where God's upon you, and I kind of want to listen to what you got and where did you get it from. We need signs. We need people that, that the way we live points to the creator of the universe, points to our deliverance, points to the, the bread of life. When people are thirsty, it points to the well of living waters that will never run dry. When people are hungry, we would point to the bread of life where we eat and think from the glory of God that you've got the right to approach the throne of grace. We need more signs. We need more people that are living above their circumstance. That we know you've got circumstances, but you're living above your circumstance. We need more people that tell people, listen, I want you to check out my problems. They're a little bit struggling and they get a little bit issues, but check out how big my God is more than my problem is. We need more people that point to Jesus Christ. We need more people that will give God his due glory and his due honor. Are you, are you understand? So we need signs. And basically, and let me just keep telling you the good news, right? Because I don't want you to go and try, I'm going to be good. I'm going to do, I'm going to be a sign. I'm going to be a sign. No, you can't do your own power. You won't be too much of a good sign. Right. And my own power, you know, my sponsor, John C., before he went to be with the Lord, said, uh, you're not good for a bad example. Right. All right. So I don't know if you get that. Maybe on the way gliding, you're all that. Oh, that's what he was. All right. You catch that later on. But he told me, you know what? You're not good for a bad example. And so in my own power, I'm not, I, I, I point to myself. I point to whatever I can show you how good I am or how good. I point to me. In my own power, I'm a self-centered, egotistical, self-righteous, arrogant, low self-esteem, negative. In my own power, I'm pretty twisted. But with the power of God upon me. Oh, I said with the power of God upon me. When the power of God consumes a man or a woman, there's change, there's transformation, there's something different about them. That when the power of God falls upon you, you can never be the same no matter what you do. You can run even, but you can't hide. So we need more signs. Amen. Tell the person next to you, we need more signs. 
So the person on the other side, we need more time. Right, praise the Lord. Amen. All right. So there's a couple of things I want to say here. Is this, right? Let me ask you a question. Don't ask it, but think about it. When was the last time people invited you someplace? All right. Just think about that. When's the last time? Are you invited to social gatherings? Do people look forward to seeing you? Do people want you around? Are you one of those holy warriors that the Yankees are the world city? Yeah, but the Bible says. <laughs> yeah, you, you know the Yankees because you're, yeah, yeah, but do you know Malachi? Malachi, are you tired? Are you tired? You know, you know, tired because you're the, like, you know, you want people that we can't have a conversation about how good the steak is, but you want to be so heavenly minded. You understand what I'm saying to you? Are you one of those people that you don't know how to love, but you, you got, you got your spiritual gift is a gift of being critical. <laughs> that's your spiritual gift. And you can say, you can say, oh, sister, you should, that's curse too, that's curse too, Lord, you got too much to <laughs> Are you one of the people that, man, when they see you coming, that they won't run away. <laughs> Are you one of those? Because it's very important, you know, that there's Christians that want to love God and want to honor God, but that in their hearts they have a desire to love God, but their character is not quite appealing so that the world will be attracted to the God that's in them. And so the point here is that Jesus and his disciples, they were invited. Yeah. They were invited. We want, we need more Christians. That's not only a sign. We need more Christians that are out there in the world and being invited. That people want you around. That there's something about you. That you bring the presence of God with you. And wherever you go, there's some type of change and shift in the spiritual world. And people notice. So they were invited. So, so let me get another point on the side of that. Is that we got too many uh, Christians that are, that are, that are you know, they're isolated. They're isolated. You know, That's him. Us four and no more. There you go, you know? <laughs> you six people are the frozen chosen. Wow. You know what I mean? The first Baptist church is the frozen chosen. And we don't want to hang out with any, any people out there who are using drugs or smell like urine or their lifestyle, their sexual lifestyle might not be what you agree to. Or they might, like, you, we got too many Christians that are isolated from the world. How can you be the salt of the world if you're hiding from the world? How can it be the light of the world? Why would you want to take your life and put it under the table? <laughs> so, so we need more that out there. That you out there, you mingling. You're a soccer mom. You at the PTA meetings. You're watching. You know that you're mingling. That people invite you because you can't reach people unless you spend time with them. Right. Right. And you know the saying is that we've been preaching home up at the job. We went that people do not care. Listen to me. People do not care how much you know. So they know how much you care. Yeah, I'm going to say that again because you got to catch this. People do not care how much you know about the Bible, spirituality, steps, whatever you think. People do not care how much you know. You might be impressed with how much you know, but people don't care how much you know so they know how much you care. People don't want to be used. People don't want to be taken advantage of. People don't want to be a pawn in your little process. People are looking for someone to generally love them where they're at. Can you love me where I'm at? Because we got to say, you can't love me where I'm at, just keep it moving. Because God said somebody who will. You're just not the best. Right. Hold on. Okay. I got that. Okay. Go. Right. So, right. so here's the thing. Another thing is it's for people who struggle. I, I struggle in the ministry. I struggle in my marriage. This is, this is real life. Do it. This is not hocus pocus religion where, I, you know, I'm just always blessed and highly favored and the devil don't bother me. And, you know, <laughs> I'm in the trenches. Oh, I'm in the trenches. I'm in the, I, I'm in the trenches. I am a church planter who continues to plant churches. I, I, I kick in the devil's door in the power and name of Jesus Christ. And I go and I'm, I'm going to the enemy's camp. And I'm taking back what he stole from me. And I'm looking for your children. And I'm looking for your sisters. And I, I'm in the trenches. And you're going to turn on your son and God. That spiritual warfare we're going to talk about, right? And so one of the things that's very important, very important up in this camp, right? Is that there's a transformation of what we got from God. Church can't bring it. Religion can't do it. Eating, eating yayos with Pastor Edwin is not going to get it. Going to, going to Bushimi with Pastor Raymond is not going to get it. I don't know if Pastor does like, he don't eat bread meat or not. We pray him. He don't eat bread meat. Don't, don't, go, don't let, go to my Pastor does for bread meat. He don't eat pernil. No pernil for you, right? <laughs> I can't invite you to Italian feet either. You don't need social. That's the only sermon. The sermon I laid at others meeting. So anyway, so check it out. So here's what happens. Right? 
put up the water or turn into wine. This is some people struggling by his point. I love it when it says uh, people bring out it's like a Puerto Rican thing, you know, most of them where they bring the good alcohol first and then we get a little drunk and bring out the bad and it down. You know, how bad it was good. Maybe you know, Puerto Rican, but my Puerto Rican family, they bring the good stuff, you know, Mama Hana, the Dominican, and all this stuff. And then when people get twisted, they bring out the water down. Now you know one of the reasons why I need Jesus, okay? <laughs> my family. So anyway, I've been drinking water down stuff for many years. Praise the Lord, but I needed more. Anyway, so. But anyway, but here's the hint. So maybe you're from age. Maybe, maybe you've been struggling, and maybe you're like, where's my time? And when is my turn? And why am I going through this again? And when am I going to get my breakthrough? And this is what the master of the banker says. He says, listen, you saved the best for last. Oh, man, I don't know if you get that. He said, he said listen, you saved the best. That means that, that from, where, from this point forward to the end of where you're going, it could be your best. That's right. That all the pain and all the tears and everything you went through, God, you know, the Bible says that He, what is it about the cancer worm, right? That He restored the years that cancer worm has eaten away. That what you couldn't do in 20 years, two years in Christ, to transform you like those 20 years are not going to you. That what you can do in 15 years, that one year God restored and you can wait. Ah, He can be for you, and He might have said the best to now for you. Amen. So that might even somebody. Amen. That might even somebody. I'm into the gooder and gooder and gooder part of my life, so it's all good. So the last thing I want to say before I get into the wine part of this is that here's, here's the thing, right? We've got too many religious people saying they're Christians, and they don't know how to be Christians, right? Let me give you an example. Let me just sit. So let me take a shirt now. Let's put a shirt now. See if I got something to show. If I would have changed it before preaching, it would have had some self-acceptance, amen? I thought about it. So, but imagine I told you this. Imagine if I spent with Jennifer and everybody. Because I told you a couple weeks ago that in the Holy Spirit, when I turn 40, I'm going to be. I'm going to be embarrassed to wear this shirt when I'm 40, amen? But well, I said that. I proclaimed the name of Jesus. God, you know, don't embarrass yourself. Come on. I mean, I mean, bring these cowboys in the name of Jesus. Amen? All right. So anyway... <laughs> so anyway, imagine I told you this one morning. Imagine I told you I work out four times a week. Imagine that. Imagine. I've been working out four times a week for two years. Imagine I told you. Imagine I said, yeah, I work out four times a week. Dennis, I work out four times a week. I'm lying at the gym. I don't know how much you would believe me. Right. Maybe I'd say, okay, how much weight have you lost? Two years. <laughs> and you would, you would probably ask yourself, wow, man, you look great four times. And then if I, you know, I'm just the same way. There's no muscle tone in my body. Right? There will be a lack of integrity in what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. A lot of Christians act, they say, oh yeah, I go to church every Sunday. I got Bible study on Wednesday. Oh yeah, my pastor is oh, you know, we got three pastors that they could be the lead pastor anyway, you know, we got three pastors, and we got two others coming up that they could they could hit a couple of home runs themselves. They're not too shabby if I can say that myself, all right? And so, but, but here's the problem. We got too many Christians that don't have the evidence of being Christ out. We got too many Christians where, where you, you still taste like water. They use the same old water, same old. Especially when you have water that you haven't used for too long. Oh, stagnant. I don't know if you know what I'm trying But so what happens is that we need more Christians. And you here's the point equal. that when the power of God falls upon you, that it has to be the disease that they get. We got too many people. Acting like the power of God is falling upon you. Mm-hmm. You're not going to show church. No, it's, it's West Nile. And, and it's all. This year was big. Yeah. And so and I want to share with you that God is sure has the power and is willing to do what he did many, many years ago. He still can change water into water. He still can take an ordinary life or broken life. And do something magnificent with it. Do something extra, do something great with it. But you gotta be a willing vessel. Right. With the Bible says, and not. And not. And not. And if you open it, if you open it, who's gonna open it? If you open it, he'll come in and down. That's right. So 
my thing. I want to use the life of Paul as an example. You see how he changed water to wine? Right? I believe God is still changing water to wine in the business. I think he's still working with making the business. I still think he's transforming. I see it right before me that God can take a guy like Saul. I don't know if you know who Saul was, but he, he was a persecutor of the church. All right, he, he, was, he was living fire. He was, you know, he was doing all these crazy stuff. He did a lot of things, and I can't get too much into that. But Saul was a dirty son of a gun. Can I say that? He was a dirty son of a gun, and he, he was against God, and he was of a different religion. And he was faithful to religion, right? And the power of God fell upon him, and there was transformation. And there was change. I told the young people this. I told you, but I can tell you guys, you guys are young, or at least you're talking about you. Um, <laughs> Little Wayne was in jail a couple years ago, right? Little Wayne was in jail. And he read the Bible. He said, Let me read the Bible. So they asked him in the Rolling Stone magazine interview, they said, hey, you know, so what do you do in jail? He said, I read the Bible. And they said, so, okay, so, what did you like about the Bible? If anything. Wow. He said, I think it's amazing that whenever God touches somebody's life, how God you will change. That's what Little Wayne said. That, that, that when God took somebody with the power of God, that's that how they changed. And so I want to share with you that today, 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 in a little while, right, as I'm speaking, the Holy Spirit can change your life. That if your heart would turn to God more so today, if you would recommit your life to God, if you would say yes, God, if you would say no to self, and no to the voices that would try to hinder you from accepting God on a new level, that today could be your day that God turns water to wine in your life. That he took Saul, and he knew all about Saul's dirtiness. He knew all about Saul's stuff. He knew you before he called you. He saw you while you was doing it. If it was abortion, if it's sexuality, if it's drugs, whatever it might be, if it's violence, if it's murder, God saw it, and he's still calling you to himself. He's in the miracle-making business. He's in the, he's in the, into the business thing, guys, like Saul, and then he was a Paul. And I, and I want to share with you, I want to use Paul's life as an acronym for one. Right? And the W... I think they're going to have a beef. The W is for warning. Right? The W is for warning. And I thought about, and I thought about Paul, and, but I even think about Pastor Edwards. I think about Pastor Gus. I think about the elders. I think about, you know, even the, the drummer, right? The drummer. Drummer, right? You ain't nobody, the drummer. Right? That's right. I think about the drummer here, right? You might not know this, but the drummer is the oldest member of our church. A lot of church. He's twisted, he's fucked out. Everybody's walking around talking to himself. But he plays the drum pretty good. He plays the drum. So, anyway, so he, but I thought about the stuff that these men have gone through to be here today. I, I see Dave Weatherton and Dottie, and they're, they're from the, the old, they're from the Baptist Temple, and they're probably our church. They're, Loving elder couple, right? Yeah. When I say elder, I mean, hey, I mean, of spiritual maturity. Right. I mean, look at them for guidance. Look at them, watch, you know, see them, how they go through life and how they glorify God. See the word of God in them. And so I think about, so I think about Paul, he's a warrior, right? You can't be married 40 years or serve God for 15 years or 30 years. Or you can't serve God without going through some battles. Right. You can't go to church for six months and not get slapped up by the devil. Right. You can't sign up for Bible study and think that when you go home, it's going to be wonderful. No, the moment you try to make a decision to get closer to God, the devil's got to come in to see if he can discourage you, drive with the faith, discourage, the devil wants to try to take hinder you from taking that move towards God. And so if you're going to serve God, and you're going to be here for the long haul, because there's many people that are here today for God tomorrow. If you're going to serve God, then you've got to learn how to be a warrior. And, and, and a warrior is only good as good as his battles. Right? Because you know how boxing, no boxing, no fighting, the guy that fought nobody, he's not that good. It's easy to hit the back. They don't hit back. It's easy to look good in the gym and you shadow boxing. But, but a warrior is someone who's known for engaging in battles. Someone who's known that, that, that you've got to do something, something. Pastor Edwin is not the lead pastor of this church and been serving God since 2001 without no scars, without no battles. Without times of depression and times of wanting to quit and times of wondering what voice he heard when he got called. And so, so like, like, I thought about the guys in the Bible, but I think about people who are here. Alright? And so I thought about people, and, and check out what it says in, 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 in the Bible, right? It's something very powerful, right? Paul was shipwrecked. Right? Paul, he, he was arrested. 
Paul was stoned. Paul was, was involved in it, and he was caught up in storms. And, and Paul, they, they, they came against him, and he went to jail. And even at point in his life, even the disciples didn't trust him. It's crazy when you're serving God and your brothers don't, you know, like, and so what I'm saying, I can't say that Paul went through a lot of drama. Paul went through battles. Paul was a, he went through a lot of different things, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So that you know, I want to bring, bring it to your table. He went through physical stuff. He went through emotional stuff. He, listen, the devil sent a messenger. The devil sent a messenger for those people. And, and God did not remove the thorn. The thorn, the messenger of Satan, that, God sent, that, that the devil sent his way. God didn't even remove that. So thorns serve God. Paul served the Lord with a thorn in his flesh that God didn't remove. And as much as he served God, some of us get a sense of entitlement. Okay. Some of us, I go to church every Sunday. I even show up on Wednesday. I tithe even on Easter. On Easter, let me say what a couple of us are, are doing on Easter, right? I'm not going to say who they are, but a couple of us on Easter are going to reverse the tithe. Come on. Right? Now, nobody can give you an amen for that. Well, a couple of them on Easter, for, for that week, we're going to give God 90 and keep 10%. He gave his best on Easter, we're going to give our best on Easter, right? Now, even if the Lord of us are committed to doing that, the government is going to do that, and we keep being anonymous. Because we don't want man to pass on our back. It's not about you guys, it's about giving God our back. But even those guys who are reversing the tide on Easter, even those who double tide, even those who are going to double dip, no matter what we do spiritually, we get this sense of entitlement. So, so I can imagine Paul saying, I'm writing most, you know, the New Testament, I'm, I'm preaching, I'm planting churches all over the place, and why can't you remove this thorn in my flesh? And God says, no, I'm not going to remove it. My grace is sufficient. Wow. Amen. So, so there's something in his life that he knows God has the power to remove, because God, he's seen healing, he's seen God moving in, in other people's life, he's seen God move in him and through him, but God says no to him. And he still serves the Lord. He still does battle. He still, and he understands. Paul understands. A woman knows their enemy. Yes, yes. Right? Paul understands that I wrestle not against flesh and blood. Right. Come on. That, that I wrestle against spiritual forces, principalities, and dark places. In the heavenly realm. Paul knows that there's a spiritual battle going on, and Sunday church attendance is not going to get it. Because I gotta press in, I gotta pray, I gotta fast, I gotta hide the word of God in my heart. It's the sword of the spirit. I gotta have the belt plate. Paul, Paul knew that he had to have the armor of God. Paul knew that they had that, that purity brings power. That he had integrity. That the breastplate of righteousness. He knew that the salvation. He knew that he had to put on Christ fully and not just half measure. And so we need more warriors. We need people that listen. It's not going to be easy. You need to understand, evangelists say that come to Jesus, so you're going to be blessed, you're going to be rich, you're going to be... No, the truth is, come to Jesus, there's a battle waiting for you. Right. Come to Jesus, you know, come to Jesus, there's going to be warfare. And you're going to cry. And I was, I, I was teaching on a movement, I was teaching at this thing on movement day, all the people from New York and the people from all over the world came together, and they asked me, well, in your church, what are some of the things that you look for in years, in years? I told them this. I said, I don't got to practice. These other guys gave very good answers. First Timothy, Titus, you know, brother. I said, I said, you got to love God. You know, give them the, the you got to love God. If you don't love God, you know, you love yourself, and you're not going to make it anyway. But I told them, we need leaders that can bleed and serve Because they're going to bleed. I said, we need leaders that, 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 you, that, that you put on the armor of God, but sometimes, somehow, some way, you're bleeding under the armor. And nobody sees it because you got to come up and you got to preach, you got to check it out, check it out. You got to go put that. So even though you're bleeding, you still can serve. So I said, I, I told them, I, our leaders, I said, again, it's not practical you guys are theologians and doctors. And I said, but we need leaders that when they lose a couple of rounds, that we know they're not going to count and they will come out for another round. We need leaders that they're going to come out for another round. That we understand that you're not going to win every round. That you might stumble and fail and sin or get knocked up. The devil might come in a way you never thought he would come. And your children and your finances and your body. And you're going to get hit up. There's a battle going on. And we need to equip you so you can be a warrior. And one that, that goes into against the gates of Hades. And the gates of Hades should not prevail. That you're among the violence. And the violence shall take it by force. And so we need women. We need men and women that understand that you're in a battle. That this is not a game. That your grandchildren are at stake. That, that your families are stake, that, that your communities are stake, that we are the hope of the world, that people you love and care about, that there's a spiritual reliance on your relationship with Jesus Christ, and your battle, and that you will stand, and you will fight. We need more husbands.
husband, right? Warriors that instead of arguing, manipulating your wife and trying to fight for the victim chair, that will pray and be the blood of Jesus for your wife. That will fight the devil for your wife's call. That will fight the devil for your children. That instead of trying to intimidate and control your children, that you will fight the devil for their souls. And prayer and fasting and quoting scriptures and laying hands on them and pray. We need men in classes like that. We need women, any woman. Let me give you a nice saying that you're not going to like. For the married woman, any old woman can make a fool out of her man. Doesn't take too much. Any old woman, any, any God of variety woman can make a fool. But it takes a woman of God to make a man out of a fool. Now, you can be, uh, you know, you can be, you can work for the enemy. Now, you can be a double agent, and I even know you've been a double agent. That you, 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 Thank <laughs> you. 
Bien. Por favor, mijo, con las cosas de Dios no se juegan. I mean, let me translate that in English, right? I said, I said, Ma, I'm going to church. She said, No. She warned me. Please, Wayman, with the things of God, you don't play. My mother could not believe I was going to church. And then when I tell Mom, I'm, I'm studying to be a pastor, she said, I know me. <laughs>